I read an article this past week that posed the question, would Jesus shop on Black Friday? (laughs) Black Friday, of course, is what retailers have dubbed the day after Thanksgiving. It refers to a time when accounting records were kept by hand, and red ink ink meant a loss and black a profit. Black Friday is the day that retailers move from the red to the black. We don't know, of course, whether Jesus would shop on Black Friday, but that doesn't mean we can't reflect theologically about Christmas shopping. After all, Jesus talked much more about money than he did about sex, more than he talked about heaven and hell combined, more than he talked about anything except the kingdom of God, that phrase that he used to describe this life and this world lived as though God were the ruler of our hearts and minds. One thing Jesus said about money is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You can look it up. It's at Luke 12, 34, at page 57 in the New Testament section of your pew Bibles. If you look at it, you'll notice that Jesus didn't say, for where your heart is, there should be your money also. Rather, Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's not treasure follows heart, but heart follows treasure. What you do with the treasure God has given you will determine where your heart will end up, not the reverse. When we go shopping, when we hand over our money for a product, In exchange, the producer of that product also takes our loyalty, a little bit of our heart. Let's say you buy a smartphone. You have choices, iPhone, Galaxy, HTC, and so on. Once you make your choice, the company makes a powerful claim on your loyalty. And unless you have a really bad experience, there's a good chance you'll be back for more. When you spend a lot of money on a consumer product, You don't want it to be a bad investment. So you tell yourself, I made a good choice, a wise decision. In fact, you'll say, I would make that choice again if I had it to do all over again. And in fact, I will do it again in two years when my contract is up. I'll buy another. Your friend who bought a different smartphone tries to convince you that she made the right choice because She's a consumer, too, and her smartphone is claiming her loyalty. But you don't switch, because that's how treasure works. So, there are Mac people, and there are Windows people. There are Coke people, and Pepsi people. When I was a kid, my dad was a General Motors man. I'm a Toyota kind of a gal. My husband swears by German engineering. And Jesus is thinking, it doesn't take a Harvard MBA to figure this out. I told you about this back in Luke 12. Where you send your treasure, your heart will follow. All of this is not necessarily bad news. If we can understand how treasure works, we can use our treasure to steer our hearts a little. You have some influence over your heart. If you want your heart to go in some direction, start putting your treasure there.
That's what's described in today's passage in Deuteronomy. In the fall of the year, after harvesting the good things that the land produced, the Israelite farmer put the very first part that was harvested into a basket. The basket was taken to the sanctuary and placed before the altar of the Lord. And then the Israelite would tell the story that begins, A wandering Aramean was my ancestor. He went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien, few in number. And there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us, the Lord, the God of our ancestors, heard our voice and saw our affliction. And then the story concludes with, So now I bring the first fruit of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me. This story about the wandering Aramean is a confession of a humble beginning. It's an admission that life was not always as secure as it is now. The people are reminded that they were vulnerable aliens, a terrific reminder for us around the Thanksgiving holidays. I heard a story about a man standing in line at the grocery store who was irritated by a woman behind him talking on her cell phone. I don't know why he cared so much that he couldn't understand her, but when she hung up, he turned around and said to her, if you want to speak Mexican, go back to Mexico. She replied, I was speaking Navajo. If you want to speak English, go back to England. What the people are doing in this first fruit ceremony is declaring their dependence on God. On the one day of the year that easily could have, become, could have come to symbolize their mastery over their environment, on the harvest day, they recite a story that says, in effect, every year at harvest we remember that we only have what we have because we cried out to God and God delivered us. And so now we bring the very first part of each harvest and we declare that the Lord is good, the source of all of these blessings. With their treasure, with this act and this little ceremony, they move their hearts in the direction of trusting God. One of the best parts of this passage is that once the offerings are made and the story is told, the people party. Thanksgiving for the land and its bounty ends in celebration and joy and in sharing with everyone. The Levites, who were priests and were not able to own land, the foreigners living among the Israelites, these folks are drawn into the celebrations. And elsewhere in Deuteronomy, widows and orphans are added to the guest list. God's gifts for the entire community are to be shared among those who, like the Israelites in Egypt earlier, are vulnerable and at risk. And while this whole scenario is described as something to be done when the people first entered the land after the Exodus journey, it was repeated each year with each generation, remembering the story, giving back to God, sharing with the vulnerable, all these are woven together as the model for joyful Thanksgiving worship. So every year, with their first fruits gifts, God's people were transformed. 
Their hearts followed their treasure in the direction of God's promise to be with them as, as they are with each other, God's promise to provide for them as they provide for each other, God's promise to continue leading them into what we would describe as life in the kingdom of God, which Jesus talked about so much. If you want your heart to go in some direction, start putting your treasure there. Today we dedicate our pledges to God's work, our gifts of time and talent and money. The author of a little book called Not Your Parents' Offering Plate says that the pastor is supposed to be the chief fundraiser in a church. He also writes, I do not know one pastor, including myself, who said, I really like raising money, so I'm going to go into pastoral ministry. (laughs) When I read the literature on fundraising and stewardship campaigns, I confess that I feel woefully inadequate. I do not like to ask people for money. But I am passionate about the kingdom of God and the way that this congregation strives to live into it. I am on fire about the direction that we are headed even as the culture around us says that traditional religion is old-fashioned, even passé. I am passionate about our weekly winter shelter, which we're sponsoring for the fourth year. We not only offer great food and a warm, dry bed, but unparalleled hospitality, and we join our guests at the tables, rubbing elbows, sharing the meal and conversation. I'm passionate about the lunch bunch. When older adults gather twice a month to share stories and enjoy companionship and laughter, it will probably help them live longer, and it undoubtedly makes their lives better. I'm passionate about families talking together about tough parenting issues and building a context for raising children who have more hope than cynicism. I'm passionate about kids having a place where they are a part of a great, big, loving family. I'm passionate about our deacons who reach out to people who feel disconnected or suffer from loneliness, chronic or temporary illness, grief, and despair. I'm passionate about the Transition Support Group, which gathers every Wednesday to offer encouragement and healing laughter. Just last Wednesday, one participant thanked everyone in the room for providing a place where real life is okay. I'm passionate about the fact that deep within this congregation's bones, music we know that music touches the heart and the soul in profound ways that words cannot. I'm passionate about our congregation's powerful voice for peace and justice and inclusion in Marin County and beyond, and we are increasingly being known for caring seriously about this planet that God has entrusted to us. I'm passionate about the way we function as a true community center, housing a preschool, a center for adults with special needs, AA, the Wade Thomas Spanish class, Qigong, a fitness class, a martial arts class, the barbershop singers, the Marin Girls Chorus, and on and on. I can't name all the things that I am passionate about that are done by you, 
because of you, through you, in just this one sermon. But I am passionate about us, a community that includes in this party the vulnerable and anyone and everyone who will join in the journey and that gives back to God with so much joy and thanksgiving. Do you want your heart to go in that direction? I don't know whether Jesus would shop on Black Friday, but I believe he would put his treasure in the direction he wanted his heart to go. Rolf Jacobson, who wrote the Black Friday article, concludes, I suspect Jesus would shop at a store that treats their employees well, that offers benefits and daycare. I suspect Jesus would tip the guys who carry the new TV, the new sofa. I suspect Jesus would be sure to tip the pizza guy, his biggest tip of the night, because the pizza guy worked all day at one job and now is working nights delivering pizza so that he can afford presents for his kids. I don't know this, but I suspect. First fruits. It describes the way we say thank you. It describes the way we are transformed. If you want your heart to go in some direction, start putting your treasure there. Tip the pizza guy. Buy fair trade. Support businesses that care about ethics and sustainability. Invest in our congregation, where in so many ways we are living passionately into God's kingdom. May it be so for you and for me. Amen and happy Thanksgiving.